Okay, Jet Vance, Darrell Revis. Is off the board. The New York Jets select Makai Beckton, Louisville. Pressure just makes it go a little more. I kind of like pressure a little bit. The New York Jets select. Welcome to another episode of NFL Draft Preview presented by Verizon with the Athletics' Dane Brugler talking cornerbacks on this episode. And Dane, before we dive into the top prospects, some day three prospects, and everyone in between, how would you evaluate this corner class as a whole? Because I feel like in the past, at the beginning of this process, you said that this is a deep class. So in theory, that should behoove the Jets if they decide to take a corner. Yeah, I think when you look at this class, it's – and it's most years because it is uh, one of the most important positions on the roster. So, and, and you know, a lot of teams that their base defense includes three corners um, and, and, you know, your, your roster has more corners than almost every other position, uh, maybe aside from uh, wide receivers. So uh, naturally it's a position that's going to be drafted early and often this year, but it's also one of the most talented. And if you're going to list the most important or the most, uh, the deepest positions this year, Corner's in the top five somewhere, maybe top three. Uh, and it's going to start, uh, we might have the first defensive player drafted this year, could be a corner, and it's not going to slow down. It's going to be a, a very well-represented position uh, in every single round, uh, one through seven. So Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn, one, both have NFL bloodlines. Both of their fathers played in the pros, but a lot of draft analysts believe that they're the top two corners in this draft. Why, simply put, what what makes them special and what's their common denominator that they can become not only professionals, but good ones? Well, I think, the you know, the lead up in your question there, I think, you know, summed it up. That's the common denominator is they both were groomed for this at a young age. Growing up around the game, Patrick Sertan, uh, you know, his dad being a three-time Pro Bowl corner uh, in the NFL. He also coached. Uh, he was the head coach at American Heritage High School um, you know, when Patrick Sertan was going through there. And, you know, a five-star guy goes to Alabama, and he starts from day one uh, for Nick Saban. Did not shrink under the spotlight. So, and really, just the opposite. SEC Defensive Player of the Year, uh, 41 games played the last uh, three years for the, for the Tide, four touchdowns allowed. So, he was a big-time player uh, for Nick Saban. Doesn't play with ideal twitch, and there are some times where explosive route runners will – create these little pockets of separation for Sutan, very, very smooth, instinctive. The game just slows down for him and, and there's zero panic in how he plays. He trusts his technique. And I think there's a good chance he could be that first defensive player drafted and, and similar with horn. Uh, he's a player that grew up around the game. You know, there's a lot of expectations there and he has lived up to them up to this point. The South Carolina coaches, they'll tell you, the moment that Horn uh, showed up uh, in Columbia, he was part of the culture change. Not even part of it. He was leading the culture change there as a true freshman. It's like a guy that's a team leader, um, on the field, long, agile, instinctive, very, very aggressive. And that's kind of a double-edged sword for him. It's what you love about him. But there's also room for him to be a little more disciplined. He's a type of corner who he's searching for the official after every play, either to make sure a flag wasn't thrown or to maybe call for a flag to be thrown. So, uh, but you'd rather have your corners be, uh, you know, have that fire and try to reel them back as opposed to him maybe being a little too passive. So there's a lot of a key to lead with when, when you watch uh, JC Horn on film. So two really good players, both should off be off the board somewhere in the top 15 picks. JC Horn, Dane, I'm curious, is he going to bring out, in your opinion, the cell phone for the draft to pay homage to his father? Or, in your eyes, 
Should he maybe keep it in his back pocket until his first pick or maybe even his first touchdown in the NFL? Well, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I, you can imagine he's been asked plenty about his dad and, and he'll be the first one to tell you he he's not as brash as his dad is. Um, you know, just that's not his style. But when it comes to being a vocal leader, that's where you see it kind of come out and you see he's not afraid to speak up. He's not afraid to, uh, you know, be even as a, as a true freshman, he was that guy at the center of the room. So I don't think we're going to see him be, uh, you know, I think he's gonna, he's perfectly fine letting his play do the talking. And I'm sure that's what we're going to see early, at least early on uh, from this player. So you don't think that the cell phone to the celebration is going to come out on the draft? Is that what you're telling me? Probably not. Cause that'd be cool. I mean, hey, you you uh, you need to get in, in contact with JC and maybe plant that in his ear. That's 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 creative. I like that. Uh, you know, have some fun with it. Um, you know, because really, the moment you're drafted, that's the time to have fun. And then you know, you let 24 hours pass, and then it's time to get to work. So just get it right. out out of out of, out of your system uh, the moment you're drafted. I like it. You know, we saw Baker Mayfield do the Brett Favre. Uh, reenactment a couple of years ago, maybe JC Horn, you know, it'd be really cool. I don't think it's possible. It would be sick if JC Horn took the phone call that he was right, going to get drafted right. on the flip phone. I mean, <laughs> you'd have to go, one, he'd have to go find a flip phone. You probably got to go to right. the or something, but you know, that, that that's what I'm looking forward to in J with JC Horn, because it's likely that neither Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn will be available when the Jets are on the clock at 23 and also 34. So, you know, give us two names that you think could make sense for the Jets, not only at 23, but also 34 if they were there. Well, there's a few names here that are interesting. And let, let's start with Caleb Farley, because in my opinion, he's the most talented uh, of, of this cornerback class in general. Uh, a high school quarterback, he moves the wide receiver at Virginia Tech. Uh, the, he moved a corner in 2018. Uh, the first game that he ever played at the position was the 2018 season opener, and he had two picks in that game. Uh, the next year, 2019, leads the ACC and passes defended, leads the team with four interceptions. He has special burst. The ball skills are very natural for a player still pretty new to the position. Length for days, he's 6'2", 33.5-inch arms. He's a top 10 talent in this draft. But the rub here is the injury history. ACL tear, two back procedures uh, over his time at Virginia Tech. The most recent one will probably cut into his training camp. Um, so there's some question marks there about just when he's going to be 100% again at some point this year, but we just don't know when. So Farley, a huge high-risk, high-reward type of talent. At some point in the first round, he's worth the risk, but where? And I think that that answer is going to be different for every single team. Uh, if you're not okay with uh, Caleb Farley and the medicals, then I think your your focus switches to maybe two players that could be high on the Jets' wish list. Greg Newsom, an easy player to like because he's a route magnet, um, corner out of Northwestern, fast, fluid, balanced. Uh, he has flashes of Kyle Fuller on his tape. The movement skills, the awareness for passing lanes, double-digit passes defended each of the last two years, high FBI, football intelligence, Really, the worries with him come down to two things. 25 passes defended in his career, but only one interception, zero forced fumbles. You want to see him convert some of those plays into turnovers. And then he missed at least three games each of the last three years. No major injuries, uh, you know, just talking about, you know, similar to Caleb Farley uh, with what he had. But something that, you know, is going to be talked about in war rooms, you know, the soft tissue injuries, things like that, uh, you know, that, that might ding him a little bit. 
but at what point is the value there? And then one other player I think is worth mentioning uh, that could be a possibility there that late first, early second, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, just like Patrick Sertan, just like J.C. Horn, another son of an NFL Pro Bowler, and like his father, Asante Samuel, uh, might be overlooked a little bit just because of his smallish frame, 5'10", 180 pounds, but he's a top-tier athlete, great feet, and just like his dad, outstanding reaction quickness. Ball awareness is outstanding. He can drive, make plays on the ball. Uh, you could argue he's in that conversation to be the best zone corner in this draft, and we know the Jets' defense likely to be zone-heavy with, uh, with uh, what, what Coach Sala likes to run. So might not have ideal size. That might be a hang-up. But everything else, I think, is a fit for New York. Just really quickly off of that, in a zone coverage, you know, let's assume for the sake of this argument, you actually had Asante Samuel in your seven-round mock draft for the Athletic. Go check it out. Yeah. To the Jets. So if the Jets run a zone-heavy scheme, do you almost think that a lack of ideal height plays better in a zone scheme than a man-to-man scheme? Yeah, I mean, length matters uh, just because it's those extra inches. But if you have the feet, if you have the awareness, especially in a zone scheme, then that that's really what matters. I mean, inches can help close the gap. But if you, you know, if you're going to list the most important qualities at the position, you know, it starts with uh, your ball awareness, your instincts, your ability to diagnose routes and make a play. Um, and if you have the athleticism, not just the, you know, the understanding, but the athleticism to drive and get there. And, you know, I think it's, it's different from coaching staff to coaching staff and team to team in terms of how much they prioritize size and length at the position. But when you are above average athleticism and the mental part of the game, that will carry a lot of weight and help you help teams overlook maybe some uh, lack of size issues. You know, this is one of the most fascinating, you know, I think it's a microcosm of a fascinating debate because what types of traits will Robert Sala want on the Jets? I mean, we don't know the answer to that on both sides of the ball, really. I know Mike LaFleur and Jeff Ulbrich are the two play callers, but if you think about when Robert Sala was with Seattle, think about the Legion of Boom, their corners, long, tall, lengthy, not Asante Samuel. So just something to keep in mind, but it could be different here in New York. You never know. With Caleb Farley, I think, you know, reading your articles and watching different videos and reading, you know, what different people have to say, different draft analysts think of Farley, seems like he was maybe CB1, definitely CB2, and then the surgery pushes him back a little bit. With the, you know, I I do understand the appeal with Caleb Farley, but I have a very Jet-centric question for you, and I asked this earlier today to someone else. If you're the Jets at 23, Caleb Farley's there, Jalen Phillips is there. Both have medical questions. Who are you going with and why? I wish I could give you a good answer here, but the truth is, you know, I don't have a medical professional on my on my payroll, and the Jets do. And that's the difference because they're going to tell you exactly how they, you know, each team does it a little bit differently, but they have like a grading system. And so you know, some for some teams, you know, it's it's just, you know, using numbers. And, uh, you know, if it's a certain number, then that's kind of the grade that that doctor, that trainer will give the player in terms of, okay, I see him uh, being able to play out his rookie contract. I see him being able to have, uh, be worthy of a second contract. Uh, or maybe this is a guy that isn't going to be ready from day one. There's so many things that go into it that, uh, you know, it, when we get to the medical stuff, 
I have no problem saying I just don't know. And that's the case with, I think, both of those players, Jalen Phillips and Caleb Farley. With Phillips, it's more of his history, three diagnosed concussions at UCLA. They couldn't uh, approve him. They couldn't get him on the field. They, they told him to medically retire. Uh, but he goes to Miami, played 10 games this past year, looked good. Um, so, you know, there, there's something to like about the way he's been able to hold up over the last year where Caleb Farley, when he's on the field, looks really good. But two back procedures, uh, you know, that that's something that each team's going to weigh a little bit differently. Each medical professional is going to weigh a little bit differently. So I can't give you a great answer here. And I think that's really the conundrum that each team is having because they have to rely on, on the medical professional. And really, that's as a scout. And I've talked to several NFL scouts about this. They're, they're on pins and needles at times when they go into that room and they're running through the list of, of medical guys and they're just kind of crossing their fingers saying, okay, don't say, or, you know, they're just hoping that, you know, my guy is going to be okay. And because if a doctor says, you know, we just don't feel confident about it, you have to take them off the draft board. You can't consider them. So, you know, I, there are several NFL scouts that go into those meetings, uh, you know, a little tense, a little, you know, they're crossing their fingers and toes hoping that their guy, uh, you know, is going to be okay and going to be healthy enough to stay on that draft board. Man, that is, you're making me a little anxious just putting myself in the shoes of a scout in that scenario. But with Farley, he's new to the position-ish, right, for a corner. If the medical checks out, you know, what could a team expect from him first two years of his career? And why was he regarded as definitely the second best option in terms of the cornerback class before the surgery. Well, and I mean, I, he was my number one corner uh, before the, this injury stuff. And it really makes it tough for those of us on the outside looking into, uh, you know, rank these guys when it's medical related um, because on just based on talent, I, I think he is the most talented defensive player in this draft. That's how highly I think of Caleb Farley. His burst is just a little bit different. The way he moves, it's just a little bit different. And we're not talking about, you know, 5'10", 5'11". We're talking about 6'2", and 33 and a half inch arms. So the size is outstanding. Um, you know, for a former quarterback, former wide receiver, he has a natural feel for how routes are supposed to be run and being in the right place at the right time and closing that gap, driving on the football. So just a special athlete. And for a guy that is a little new to the position, you expect him the more football he sees, the better he's going to be in terms of route recognition and, and just improving his timing and every little thing that he does. So with Caleb Farley, if he has a clean bill of health, I think he's a top 10 pick. I, I think he he goes very early in this draft. But, uh, you know, again, comes back to the medicals and something that, uh, you know, you hope he can play a full career. I mean, selfishly, I don't care where he ends up. I just hope he can play because the NFL will be a, a lot more fun when we can watch Caleb Farley play in it. But, uh, you know, not every team's going to be confident about that. And that really kind of muddies the water in terms of trying to project where he's going to ultimately end up on draft day. He might not even make it to 23 in the Jets, uh, or he could last past 34. There, there's no way to know. And that is what makes the draft so much fun to watch each and every year. Caleb Farley, you know, we'll see what happens. I feel like we got to show Greg Newsom a little love, at least, you know, ask a follow-up question on him because we we talked about Asante Samuel and – like you wrote, a lot of Jets fans probably have a lot of memories of his father tormenting the green and white. Talked about Caleb Farley with Newsom. You know, I didn't know this until I was reading up on him. He only allowed 10 completions in 2020. Led the FBS in passer rating against 15.77. I mean, these things look like they're a match made in heaven for when the Jets are on the clock 23. 
but do you even think that maybe he makes it there? That's a fair question. And it sounds like you've been reading the beast a little bit. Uh, yeah, that, I, I, you know, I have, I have, I have, yeah. I definitely want to, you know, if you have not read the beast, you got to check it out. I say it every week. It is. If, if you're like, Oh, you know, I don't really think I need the athletic subscription. You do because every year the beast comes out and it is worth your 12 month subscription. Just putting it out there. I appreciate that. And, you know, I think, but you're spot on with Newsom is, is he going to make it there to 23? And there's a, a very good chance he does it, especially when you look at the teams picking in front of, of the Jets. You look at 22 and the Titans, absolutely they could use uh, corner help. The Colts at 21, they need to get more consistent at, at cornerback. Uh, then even in the teens with some of those teams, uh, the, you know, every team really needs more corner help. It, it, it's one of the premium positions in the NFL and uh, so absolutely, I would not be surprised at all. And there's teams picking after the Jets that are just hoping. You look at the Browns at 26. I think they're crossing their fingers that maybe a Newsom could slip by and fall to 26 to them. Uh, just a really good player. Again, the, the main two knocks, you wish he had more turnovers and you wish that he could stay on the field. And that's something that uh, is going to bother some teams because, uh, you know, it's a, it's a physical sport. And if you can't stay on the field, then, you know, you're not helping your team. And Greg Newsom missing three games each of the last three years, at least three games, that could be a, a sticking point uh, for, for some of those teams that are looking for maybe a, a more uh, dependable uh, track record at the cornerback position. But athleticism, check, size, uh, at least height, length, check, um, FBI, football intelligence, check. So Greg Newsom has a lot of what you're looking for at the position. All right, well, moving on now to round three. Give us a player that you think could make sense for the Jets if they went to corner with either of their two third round picks? Well, you know, you mentioned before how Robert Sala and, you know, the the size that, you know, we've seen at his prior stops in Seattle and San Francisco. Okay, let's go back to that in a player who has size that could be a fit. Paulson Adebo out of Stanford, really intriguing player because he checks a lot of those boxes, what you're looking for. Size, okay, 6'1", 198 pounds. Speed, 444 in the 40-yard dash. 6.69 in a three cone, which is an elite number, especially for a guy that size. But what about ball production? Okay. In two seasons as a starter at Stanford, 38 passes defended, eight interceptions. Those facts alone uh, is going to have teams interested, but you know, the tape is a little up and down. And that's why we're talking about him as a possible third round pick and not higher. Uh, you know, he's a little leggy, a little upright. He'll take some false steps here or there. And sometimes once he takes those full steps, it's a little tough for him to recover but he tracks the ball well. He has athleticism. So as long as he continues to develop his route recognition and eliminate some of those mistakes, he can be an NFL starter. And, you know, a guy in the third round, you bet on guys with those type of traits. Where have I heard about a Robert Sala corner, you know, with good height and weight going to Stanford? Sounds kind of familiar to me. Oh, that guy, Richard. That guy he had in Seattle and in San Francisco, maybe. Yeah, I, th I think. I think that rings a bell for me. So yeah, yeah that's great stuff on Paulson Adebo. You mentioned the draft class. Oh, you mentioned the depth of the cornerback class. How about a day three player that you think could make sense for the Jets? Well, let's stick with the size uh, at the position. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice from uh, Minnesota. Uh, I think he's going to be very attractive uh, to this coaching staff when you factor in the size, the athleticism. He's a Canadian native, started his career at Michigan, uh, transferred uh, to Minnesota, 6'3", 202 pounds, just under 33-inch arms, 6'6", 3", in the three cone, which is remarkable, uh, especially for a guy that size. 
very light footed. Uh, that really helps his mirror and match capabilities. Love his movement skills. Uh, he will give up some separation due to it's mostly due to technique and, and awareness issues. But again, at this point in the draft, you're talking fourth round. I mean, once you get into day three, you bet on a guy with these type of traits, length, speed, competitiveness. I think he's going to go somewhere in those you know top 120 picks. And so I, I think he could be a guy on the Jets radar. Jets have pick 107. So that falls right in before pick 120. Uh, you know, I, I've been wanting to ask you this, and I think it fits with Benjamin St. Juice, but just philosophically speaking, how much of a factor is age, whether that's round one, day two, or day three, and, and does it make more of a difference in the early parts than the latter parts? Like, I'm thinking Penny Sewell's 20 years old, and then Benjamin St. Juice is an older player. So is it, you know, is that a, a pro or a con at different points in the draft? Yeah, and that, that's a great question. It's something that continues to evolve, um, you know, with uh, as we look at the analytics and kind of the metrics that the teams have uh, based on age and breakout age and things like that. Um, and each team looks at it a little differently. Some teams won't even consider players that are a little bit older. Um, you know, they're they're going based off of, you know, we want the younger guys, the guys that maybe have yet to play their best football, they have not peaked, things like that where other teams are looking at, okay, yeah, he's, he's going to be a 23 year old rookie, but he's seasoned, you know, he's a veteran, he's ready to help us out from day one. So, you know, it's, it's just all about perspective and how you look at it. And, you know, we'll have to see kind of how the jets, you know, we, we don't, I don't think we have enough sample size yet with Joe Douglas, just to see how much he will prioritize age uh, when it comes to drafting players. And at what point in the draft, uh, because I think once you get into the third, fourth, fifth round, and we're not talking about early on, maybe you're more willing to take swings on a player that might not be, uh, you know, the youngest, but again, they're, you know, they're a little bit older, but they're ready to come in, step, step in from day one and contribute. Or there's some guys that are older, but maybe they're a little bit late to the game. So in football years, they're a little bit younger. And that's something to consider as well. A guy like Benjamin St. Juice, you know, he, he played football in Canada growing up, but he didn't really take it, you know, fully seriously until, you know, he gets to Michigan and he gets coached up and things like that. So, you know, it, it's a really, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a complicated conversation because each team will view it differently. And I think we have, you know, we look at it both ways. There have been older players that have been, you know, uh, been good players once they get to the NFL um, but some, some teams are really going to stick to that. Give us the youth, give us the you know 21 and, and younger uh, that that's really going to be their focus, especially in the early rounds. Do you think that I know that it's team to team, but most commonly or like, uh, do you think it's more common that as you get later in the draft, it's a safer bet on an older player because in theory, that player has seen a little more football and it's less of a trait projection. Yeah, and that's where the debate comes into play because there will be some teams that say, okay, well, give me the guy with the raw traits and the young age who we can coach up as opposed to the older player who we know what we're getting, but there might be something missing. I mean, there's a reason we're talking about him as a late rounder. So it, it, I think it depends on what you're looking for. It depends on the makeup of your roster. And, you know, if uh, you know, you're looking for corner depth, but you feel really good about your starters maybe you're more willing to take a chance on a younger guy with raw traits uh, in the draft. Whereas if you are looking for, okay, we need a corner who's going to step in from day one and compete for starting reps. 
okay, well, maybe you're looking for an older player who has, has been a seasoned vet, who has seen a lot of football and might have a few flaws, but at least you know what you're getting. So I, I think the the thinking of how you know where you uh, settle on, on that age debate, I think it really depends on your roster management, where you are as a football team, and you know the position that you're looking at. And I think all that comes into play. All right. Well, that was a fantastic breakdown on the cornerbacks. We've now broken down all of the positions, right? Next week, the final episode before the draft is a seven-round mock draft, and we're going to get into that. So, but before we do that, you know, before we can get to next week, we got to wrap up this week. And I'm curious, we've broken down every position, like I've said. We've analyzed options at 23, 34, round three, day three. Out of everyone we've talked about, let's start at pick 23. Who are two or three players that you think have have a chance to be on the board at 23 would be a great selection for the Jets and you like them as a prospect? Like if you were constructing this team, who are the guys that you're like, these are this is the short list of players who I think will be there? have a decent chance to be there and we want to add that player to the team. Well, let's, let's look at three different positions too. Let, let's keep it at uh pass rusher, offensive line and corner uh, pass rusher. I think it'd be Aziz Audulari. That, that's my favorite pass rusher in this class. Uh, a, a guy who is talking about age, still just 20 years old uh, and just coming off a season where he led the sec in sacks, tackles for loss, forced fumbles. Um, a, a guy that is a little smaller than you want at 6'2", 250, but with 34 and a half inch arms, really, I mean, that's the length of a 6'5 player. And so I think kind of the best of both worlds because he's shorter and he can use that natural leverage, but he has long arms. So he can set a physical edge. He can play the run. Very instinctive player. You feel like he's going to get better and better. So I think Aziz Audulari, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm hoping he's there for me to at least consider uh, corner. We just got done talking about Greg Newsom. I think he's he's a player that could be gone at that point, but I, I'm hoping he's there because I, I would love to add him to my corner mix. And then offensive line, you know, there'd be a few options here. I'm sick with Landon Dickerson. I can't quit him. I he he you know the medicals that's going to factor in. Um, but this guy is such a player. I, I guard center. He can start at a high level either spot. Um, power quickness. I, you know, what he brings in tangible wise, what he brings in my locker room, big, big Landon Dickerson fan, unless my trainer and doctors say, no way you can't touch him. Absolutely. He'd be in like in the conversation at pick 23. I can't quit Landon Dickerson. I love that quote. All right. So how about 34 then who are a couple guys and you can double up on the position if you want, or you can go elsewhere that you're hoping are on the short list on the board when the jets reset at pick 34 on day two. Well, I mean, let, let's let's keep it at the each one of those positions, um, just to keep kind of you know look at who theoretically could be there. Um, you know, if we're looking at uh, pass rusher uh, at that point in the draft, you know, I'm probably looking at Joe Tryon um, from Washington, who looks like an action figure. Uh, you know, six five, two hundred sixty pounds. Uh, traits wise, has a lot of what you're looking for. Um, you know, he opted out this past year, so there's a bit of a question mark there. But Joe Tryon's right there. You know what? I'm going to double up at pass rusher because I, I really like Jason Oway. And I'd be – I don't know. I, he's too freaky for me to fall out of the first round. But if he were to fall out of the first round, I'd be willing to jump uh, jump on that pick early in the second round uh, easy. Uh, you know, the zero sack sticks out like a sore thumb. And that's going to be a problem for a lot of people. 
when you watch the tape, he's disrupting the quarterback uh, constantly, and uh, he's playing at a high level. So um, I, I think those two players, Joe Tryon, Jason Owe, two pass rushers, I think you can add to this mix and are going to help make our defense better. Um, and then let's go to the offensive line. Um, offensive tackle, Sam Cosme out of Texas, who 6'6", 315 pounds, really good athlete, tore up his pro day. Um, you know, if, if he's not on schedule, um, you know, he, I don't know that he has the base strength to hold up against some of the power rushers in the NFL, but he is on schedule. So, you know, so often, and he, he knows how to use the biomechanics of his body to sit and set, you know, anchor down and, and, and stop those bull rushers. So, uh, Cosme has the quickness, um, you know, he has average length. That's going to be an issue for some teams, only 33 inch arms, but I think he can make up for it because he is so quick. Uh, and he plays at a high level. So Sam Cosme at, at tackle, add him to the mix. You know, he's my future right tackle. Add one of these pass rushers. And let's, you know, I, I know you said three, but let's let's add a corner into that mix. Um, you know, how about one of these Georgia guys? Uh, how about Eric Stokes out of Georgia, uh, who has the size, 6'1", 194 pounds, 4'2", athlete, legit 4'2", speed. Uh, then there's some things he needs to fill out with his game. But when you have the height, you have the length, you have the speed, and, you know, a guy that teams really like as a person and as, you know, the football character wise, that goes a long way. So early in the second round, I think Eric Stokes would be one of those guys I'd be hoping to see at that point in the draft, add to my cornerback mix and feel like I have a, a future starter on my hands. You can go four picks. I got no problem with that. I'm just saying no less than three. All right. So okay, okay. With, with that being said, you know, let I got two more for you. Let's talk about round three. The Jets have an early pick and a later pick. If you were, again, constructing the Jets, you were the GM, you were Joe Douglas, who are you hoping is available just in round three at either one of the picks? And, you know, you can take it where you want. You can go position. You want to double up on guys. You want to take, you know, you want to go somewhere new. The floor is yours, Dane. Okay, well, uh, let's take a corner where uh, you know, we just got done talking about Paulson Adebo, so I won't go back to him. Uh, but maybe another corner that could be uh, in the mix there. Uh, a guy you're familiar with uh, out of Syracuse, Ifyatu Melifonwu, uh, six two and a half, two hundred five pounds, so has the size that you're looking for. Four four eight and a forty. Uh, he's a twitched up athlete for especially for a guy that size. Uh, double digit passes defended each of the last two years. There's a lot to like about uh, you know his his ability to get his hands on the football. Um, you know he's a physical run defender. Uh, I like his vision. He finds the ball and he goes and makes plays. So uh, and he's got an offensive background. I think that shows with the way he plays uh, in terms of attacking the football. So if if Yatu Melifonwu would be one of those guys. Uh, also, Aaron Robinson, the corner at UCF, 5'11 and a half, 186 pounds, can play nickel, can play outside. I think that versatility is key with him. Uh, another 4'3 athlete. Uh, the body movements are outstanding. Uh, at the reaction quickness is above average. Very patient with how he plays. But once he sees it, he goes. And I think he times his attack really, really well. And again, that that inside-outside versatility is a strong selling point with him. So if I'm picking that early third-round range, I'm hoping you know one of those corners w- would get to me at that point, whether it be Melifonwu uh, or, or it could be uh, Aaron Robinson. Um, and then you know late uh, in, uh, in the third round, maybe switching to offensive line, interior offensive line. I really like uh, Kendrick uh, Kendrick Green out of Illinois. Guard, center, 6'2", 305. Uh, he played both positions at Illinois, uh, both guard, left guard, and at center. 
this guy is twitched up. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have a long frame, and that'll be an issue at times. Long arm linemen can get into him, but he plays so quick. I, I think he'd be a great fit for this offense. Rangy, you love the lateral quickness. You love the reflexes. Um, he can make a quick adjustments. He's a very smart player. And he's a guy that you can tell, he's a, you know, some of these guys, you can tell a former high school wrestler, he, he's one of them. With the way, you know, the way he stays balanced, uh, his hand tactics. Uh, I don't know he's going to be a fit for every scheme, but for the Jets, when you have the movement skills, you have the range, you have the body control, he'd be a perfect fit with that second, third rounder. I love it. And we're going to wrap this up with Dane's favorite sleepers of the 2021 draft. You can give us three of them if you so please. And go for it. Well, uh, I, I think it starts with Jacob Harris uh, at a UCF who, you know, I, I've talked about before, you know, a great story uh, being a former soccer player and being late to the game. And that's kind of one of those issues where he, he's an older player. I mean, he's going to be 24 years old as an NFL rookie, but he's so late to the game that he's young in football years and still learning. And so um, you love the athleticism, 6'5", 220, and he's a 440 athlete. 6'5 and a three cone just it sounds like a made-up number it doesn't seem real um but he is a freaky freaky athlete uh had eight touchdowns this past year and you saw him getting better and better the more comfortable uh he got out there so jacob harris whether he's a, a big slot receiver whether he's able to make that transition to tight end uh you know he's a guy that i would be keeping my eye on once you get to day three uh fifth round i think is a sweet spot for him uh let's go to running back uh kone nuengo Iowa State running back, six foot two ten. He was stuck in the in the shadows there because you figure he's playing behind David Montgomery um, uh, for a few years. Then he got stuck behind Brees Hall, who we'll be talking about next year as being a running back prospect in the twenty twenty two class. Uh, but where he made his mark was on special teams, both in coverage, both as a kick returner. He set the school record, averaging twenty six point nine yards per kickoff return. Uh, that also ranks, uh, I think, third in Big 12 history. Um, as a running back, you know, still there's – you wish he had more of a sample size. He's a guy that doesn't have a ton of targets as a pass catcher. Uh, when he did get the, hand, uh, the football in his hands, he was productive. He averaged 5.6 yards per carry last year. Uh, but you love the speed, legit 4-3-1 speed. Uh, at some point in the draft, when you get to the later rounds, you take chances on a guy with that size, that speed, that intelligence, a really smart player – um, he's going to be able to help you on special teams. And then whatever he adds to the backfield uh, would be great. But, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're adding those traits. And speaking of traits, that brings me to my third guy, Jalen Camp out of Georgia Tech, a guy that doesn't have a ton of receiving production. But when you look at, uh, you know, the way he's, uh, way he's built, 6'2", 226 pounds, ran a 4'4 to come or at, at his pro day, um, but a guy that has the mentality for special teams. And it's when you talk to his coaches – that's what they rave about. He's willing to do anything. Um, he can play all four special teams coverages. And uh, so in the late part of the draft, you're looking to add a developmental receiver. Jalen Camp's the type of guy that you go for because what he's going to add to you on special, add to your roster on special teams uh, really is going to help him stand out. It's going to endear him to coaches in training camp. So uh, don't be surprised if Jalen Camp is one of those guys who ends up being a sixth or seventh round pick but he's going to be on an active roster next September because of the value he brings on the special teams. And that is a great way to wrap up this edition of NFL Draft Preview presented by Verizon with the Athletics Dane Brugler. Dane, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week for the seven-round mock draft before the draft.